This is Terry Arnold, and welcome to our podcast, Talk IBC, where we discuss things related to inflammatory breast cancer, from patients' personal stories to the latest in research. This program is sponsored by the IBC Network Foundation. I'm Terry Arnold, and I have with me Diane Coster, and she lives up north, and I always say up north because I'm in Texas, and she did something really remarkable after IBC impacted her life when her daughter was diagnosed at a very young age. So, Diane, I'd like to have you tell your story, but we've got several layers that we want to talk about, but thank you very much for being here with me today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Um, it's it's a two-edged sword. It's it's my favorite thing to talk about, which is my daughter, and, and it's my least favorite thing to talk about, which is this horrible disease that took her life, but um, she has left a legacy for sure. And I, I love talking about her. Like I tell everybody, I just don't want anybody to forget her and what a great person she was. So, well, I met you because of Lindsay being diagnosed at a very young age. And uh, I told you earlier, getting ready. I'm not a crier, but I brought my tissue <laughs> box because I have a feeling we're both going to be weeping a little bit on this. And, I cannot imagine the pain of a mother to lose her child. So well, you want to start a little bit about what yeah, happened with Lindsay? Think, you know, it, it, it was hard. It is hard. It's still hard. But I feel blessed because I got to spend that time with her. And we were able to prepare as a family um, for what was coming. And um some parents lose their children without any warning. And that is what I can not wrap my head around. I was blessed that I got to have those months with her. Um, she was 28 years old, um, started having those typical symptoms, which was um, one breast was warm to the touch, red, swelling, and it kept getting worse. And day by day, it kept progressively getting worse. And she, immediately called her doctor. Well, after she showed me and we chatted about it, um, she immediately called her doctor then and they started her on antibiotics. 28 years old, breast cancer is definitely not the first thing that came to my mind or to to her doctor's mind. And um, after two rounds of antibiotics, it didn't make a dent in it and it just kept getting worse. Um, They did have her come in and they did the punch biopsy which was the definitive um, diagnosis. Um, saw a surgeon immediately, which is where we received the news. Um, my, my response was total shock. This was not what I was expecting to hear at all. Lindsay, I knew that's what it was. I knew that's what it was because she had reached out and done some really good online research, really um, real, real, real research, you know, not just Dr. Google, but went to the um, Inflammatory Breast Cancer Foundation website, um, you know, really looked into some significant information and, and she in her mind had diagnosed herself. And what um, year was this? That was, um, that was in the spring of 2016. Yeah, we started the IBC Network Foundation in 2011, and I hate to say it, but many women have said to me that I diagnosed myself off of your mm-hmm. website, and um, 
I want to give you a chance to catch your breath. And it's very hard to talk yes. about, but like um, for myself, when I was diagnosed in 2007, I couldn't find anything about this. Like I kind of joked, but it was true. You, I typed in red hot swollen breast on the internet to try to figure something out. Cause I couldn't find anything. And I got a porn virus on my computer. I mean, it was so hard to find out anything. And um, so I'm happy that women found the information they needed. And I just see that more things are coming forward. But it also frustrates me that are doctors and not to throw fault on them, but it's not appropriate to give two rounds of antibiotics when a woman presents mastitis-like symptoms that is not a nursing mother, didn't have a fever. And so I know one of the things you and I have been working on hard is championing education as well as other patient support. I want people to know that the National Cancer Institute, which is the highest governing body in the land, has a statement that if a non-nursing woman presents with mastitis-like symptoms, that they need to rule out a confirmed IPC. And, and we know this isn't happening. Now that two weeks may or may not have mattered, but I'm sure that frustrates you now that you are very much involved in the medical community in a much deeper way. Yes. Yeah. It's it's frustrating. And even when we interact as a family with other medical professionals for one reason or another, and we bring this up and they kind of give you this blank look like, maybe I've heard of that before, but wasn't really sure, you know, and granted, especially here where we live in Iowa, in the Midwest, you don't see that diagnosis very often at all, Um, which is, you know, I still don't, I don't regret Lindsay's decision to stay local for her treatment. She had every faith in her doctors who were reaching out and getting input from more specialists during her her time, you know, and she was a triple negative, which as most of us know, on top of an IBC diagnosis, that's even worse, especially, you know, almost six years ago, before they started doing more um, focused research into the triple negative IBC, which I'm so happy they're doing now. But being triple negative at that time, they really didn't have any of those um receptors that they could target with a proven treatment. Mm-hmm. So and the thing is, even if she could. had gone somewhere else, you know, I'm, I, I, obviously you and I like people to get just close to the research we can, but mm-hmm. I've seen women receive excellent care in small town doctors, and I've seen women not get great care in big cities. So, yep. you know, it's not any fault on her. The disease is cruel. Yep. So she yep. was uh, 28 years old, diagnosed yep. triple negative IBC. Yep. And what happened then? They started the treatment? They started everything. I mean, they, they started what I believe is more, the more, more traditional type treatment. I know there was the red double involved. It was, you know, they tried everything. The cancer would, would respond at first, and then it would outsmart the treatment every single time. It was so frustrating, but they really literally tried everything. I remember she was in contact with me quite a bit. And the cancer kept morphing and changing. So yeah. as you're realizing the treatment is failing, what's happening next? Well, she never gave up hope. And I know that's what you always say, hope always. And she was so brave and so courageous. And she kept a blog of her journey. And she was writing as often as she could, considering her health was declining. And 
Issue Can you tell them the name of the blog? Because I must admit, I thought was, she was such a far cracker. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, um, and I'm not sure it's even still live, but it was through a GoFundMe page. That's where she chose to document her journey. Um, I think it was Fight Like a Girl, but I think it was also under her name, Lindsay Thull. Um, but she yeah. always used the word slay. Slay. Yep. Slay IBC. That was kind of her Slay motto. IBC. That's what I think of Lindsay is Slay IBC. She fought like a tiger. She did. Yep. And towards the end, we did even go to some other places with the blessing of her local oncologist. I think we all just wanted her to feel comfortable in her own mind that everything was being done that could be done in her case. And everybody agreed. They were following the protocols and um, it just, it nothing worked. It was, and she felt like it was just, that was her destiny. And she was chosen to have this disease for some reason. And that, um, you know, she accepted that. And she, she became very much in, engrossed in, in her faith um, through her journey and really um, that really helped her through to the end. And unfortunately, um, 10 months went by and, and then she breathed, breathed her last. You know, it breaks my heart. I cannot imagine, like I said, I think I said it before at the beginning here is the pain of a parent bearing their child. Um, and 10 months seems so brief, but unfortunately with triple negative IPC, that is not uncommon. And that's really hard for people to fathom. My mom died when I was really young in a car accident. Um, and I remember being woken up in the night and told she was gone. And so when you mentioned the suddenness, but I also imagine how many times you've offered to trade places with your daughter. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times you would have done anything you could to not have that be her suffer that way. Absolutely. Well, I think about something you're doing now to eliminate, try to help eliminate suffering is how you've gone forward to remember Lindsay, with the charity that you formed, mm-hmm. which is meeting a really amazing niche. You want to talk well, about it? Sure, I'd love to. Um, I just, I don't want her life to have been in vain. And I want something good to come out of her life. And um, we, I took everything she wrote. This was the first step. And it, it was three years after she died before I could even start because I, there were parts of that 10 months I had completely blocked out. I just could not revisit it. But I made myself, once I started this putting this book together, I wanted something tangible for friends and family to have in their hands and to hold and to remember Lindsay and how beautiful of a writer she was and how she was so strong through this entire Thing. And and also, you know, for generations to come, her 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 niece and you know other nieces and nephews that may come along that will never have known her, but will know her heart and her courage through her writing during her 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 uh, diagnosis. So I took her writing, and then I wrote around each of her entries. Um, from my own perspective as her mom and her primary caregiver, kind of filled in some blanks. Um, but that that created a book, which I self-published. 
And it's right here. Lindsay's legacy. Lindsay's legacy. Yep. And so from the proceeds from this book, which weren't a lot or anything, I mean, there's still people buying it occasionally, but um, there was some money and I just felt like I needed to do something with this money that was going to help other women facing an IBC diagnosis. So we did talk to a local foundation here with the hospital that I work at and set up a fund, Lindsay's Legacy Fund, which um, the money's growing from multiple sources, but the primary purpose of this fund was is to help women um, pay for testing, treatment, and travel. So like it's the three T's. Um, so testing to help, you know, determine their staging or their, you know, PET scans, whatever they might need along their journey, um, travel to get to a clinical trial or to go to a, an IBC specific treatment center like like down in Houston where where we have MD Anderson or Dana Farber in Boston, one of those places that sees this disease on a regular basis. So travel was that, that's the piece. And then the um, testing travel and what was treatment. <laughs> so we've treatment. helped women. Yes. We've helped six women now with one of those three things, whether it was for their helping pay for their tests, helping to pay for their, their treatment or to, to reimburse them for their travel. So that's well, I think that's terrific because one of the things that I really struggled with when I started the IBC Network Foundation was, should I try to help women pay their electric bills? Should I, what should I try to do? Because as someone who's been through this, I saw the financial toxicity. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what I got really pulled into was the research part because I saw that nobody was doing anything about the research. Now, I did see the, the things you're helping with. I, I didn't, I, I felt like I could do more by funding research. And then people like you would come along and pick up those other parts. And those parts are very important. But you've also donated a lot of money to the IBC Network. I was running the numbers yeah. this morning, and it's like a little over sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, we help put towards clinical trials, and yeah. so you, you did that. But now that your charity is growing, you're focusing harder on helping women with, like you said, the three T's. Yeah, and there, and I think it's amazing. And I've sent a lot of women your way. Yeah. And we're, yes, it seems like every year it's gaining a little more momentum and people are hearing about it. And we, we have to, we qualify them because we don't have an unlimited pot of money. Um, so our main thing is just to um, question them about their um, income status. And it's based on the, to the, govern, the government's 250% poverty guidelines, which are very generous. And a lot of families fit into these guidelines without even realizing it. Um, but, you know, we've helped one, we're helping one lady for the second time um, just to get back down to MD Anderson for, for a recheck to make sure that they're on the right treatment path for this new episode that she's experiencing of IBC. And um, yes, we've had lots of people reach out. Um, most of them are legitimate and um, do need the help. And so um, because our money is held at a foundation, there are certain rules that we have to follow and um, we can't give money directly to a patient. We can't, we're not paying for their, their daily living expenses or gas for their car or for maintenance of their car. We can reimburse for travel if they're pre-approved and then we can help pay some of their medical bills that were directly related to their inflammatory breast cancer. 
I think that's huge because a lot of patients have trouble because their insurance won't cover a PET scan or something like that yes. because they, that doesn't fall within the normal realm right. for breast cancer testing. Yeah. So you're filling that gap. And then also people don't think about how much it really can cost to travel to a university-based center. And, yeah. and if and if you're someone from a really small town who's never been to a big city like Houston or Boston, that might be very overwhelming. So yeah. you are and making usually, you're making it easier in lots it, of ways. They don't financially and travel. Yeah, they don't travel by themselves either. And so we are paying for their spouse or their parent or whoever to go with them. At least so oh, far. Oh, that's good. I didn't know that. We've been able to so far. So yeah. And even just getting from your hotel to the to the hospital or the center you know, the Uber rides back and forth, that really adds up or that. Yeah. So it does. Now, why don't you tell them a little bit about the event that you're doing to raise money for this charity? Sure. So the first year after Lindsay died, um, my son, who is um, older than Lindsay, he, he wanted to do a golf outing every year. We have so many family and friends that just wanted, just like when Lindsay was sick and, and going through her cancer journey, everybody wanted to do something. They wanted to do something, whether it was to donate to her GoFundMe page or whether it was to bring her a meal or whatever. People just want to do something. And so we established an annual Lindsay Thal Memorial Golf Outing which has been extremely successful. Every year we um, have full, what they call a full field, which means we have two teams going off of 18 holes with a shotgun start. So we have 144 golfers, we have sponsors, we have um, silent auction, we've got lots of stuff going on. And this year we just held our sixth annual event last Friday, a week ago Friday, and we rate every year we raise more than we did the year before. And this year we raised a, a gross of almost three. No, we hit 30,000 gross. That's terrific. Yeah, and that's terrific. And I know I've gone, I got to come up, I think it was just one time to, to see, because I wanted to yeah. thank you in person for what you're doing. And then I know uh, one of our board members who lives in your area, Jenny Finn came and she said she was just blown away by what she saw. It's and, pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, not just, the support that we have, but you just feel the love for Lindsay. <laughs> you just do. And she, you, and there's so many small little ways that, you know, she's there with you that day, whether it's the way the sun's coming through the clouds or, you know, the, the deer on the golf course early in the morning, you just know she's there, whether you find a little penny on the floor in the middle of the, the shelter where you're at, where you're just like, how'd that penny get there? You just know that she's there. And we, we usually have beautiful weather and um, just er, like I said, this was the sixth year and every single year we raise more and more and more and more and people just want to do what they can to support it. It's wonderful. I, you know, and to, before I had cancer, I had no idea how little resources were out there and I had no idea the level. I mean, I th- always thought, well, we've got insurance and we've got some savings and all that. I had absolutely no idea the financial devastation I was about to walk into. And it got pretty rough. And then I didn't have any idea how little support there was out there for those gap things like try to travel or mm-hmm. when you're hit, you've got a high deductible and you're hit with all these copays. I remember coming home one day and telling my husband, I just spent our entire grocery budget for the week 
on co-pays. Mm. And I started crying. He goes, it goes, it's going to be okay. I said, no, I, we don't have any money for food. I just spent it all on copay. Yeah. And he goes, I had like seven copays in one day. Yeah. You know, we weren't broke, but, you know, you, you just get to where you're at the edge of what you've got. Yeah. And I think that's what really spurred me into this direction, because when Lindsay was sick, you know, she was she was sick starting in April. So she, you know, met her deductible really, really quick. She had a great job. She's a young professional, owned her own home, no children or husband, which, you know, now you think about that, it was probably for the best. But those are big expenses that she had just recently incurred right before she got sick. And then she lost her job. And that's also not uncommon for yeah. cancer patients to either lose your job because you have so many appointments. You're like, I had, uh, yeah. I, I used to know the number. It was 285 appointments in one year at MD Anderson's yeah. up there almost every day. Wow. And I was fired from my job. Um, not because I wasn't keeping up, but they read my, um, they read what my diagnosis was. And I was up for promotion. They said, we're not going to keep you. We don't have to hold you. You're not going to make it. I'm like, I think this is illegal. It also mm-hmm. sucks, <laughs> but it's not uncommon for patients to lose their job. Even mm-hmm. sometimes they just can't physically keep up. And that, yeah, she had taken her as long of a leave as she could. And so they really were faced with, we, we can't continue to hold your position and you are not here. And you, you kind of understand that, you know, but I mean, right after that happened, she had a bunch of freelance stuff come her way. But of course, again, she got very sick very quickly. And, and that time was very short. Um, but she found herself at the first of the year having to start over again with her deductibles and her all that. And, and she sold some of her Louis Vuitton purses online. You know, she was getting really creative. And uh, of course, people were so generous. Oh, my gosh. So generous through her GoFundMe page. People she didn't even know um, just because of her story. Um, so she, well, I, she I find that people can be so kind. You know, what I was thinking about, though, obviously what you saw that she went through made a very strong mark in your mind to go what I call from an inspiration to a tipping point of action. Mm-hmm. Was there yeah. any one particular moment or was it just the overarchingness of it all? Yeah, and it was just kind of, it all morphed because I knew I had to do this book. I knew it. I I had to put her words again into something tangible to, to always have and to always hold on to and to always read again and again. But then I'm like, okay, then the next thing in my mind was, well, then I'm going to get money from this. What do I do with it? And then it was just, I mean, it just kept morphing. And then I'm like, okay, we're doing this golf outing. We can just put all that money into one pot and still help both research issues, research projects, but also help patients directly. And it just kind of, I don't know, she's always in my head talking to me. Well, I think it's great. You know, and I get it that you want people to remember her. I, I Love doesn't die, you know, and someone once told me grief doesn't really go away. You just learn to carry it differently. There's no such thing as closure. I agree. I think you just learn to carry it differently. But what I really appreciate 
about you. And I don't want anyone else to feel pressure to do things, but I do greatly more than you could ever know appreciate about you is that you're taking this experience and you're doing something to save somebody else. You're doing something to make someone else not be so alone. You're doing something, you know, you're, you're helping fund research. You're, you're helping these women in their day-to-day battles and all along Lindsay's story is making improvement for others. I don't, I know you wish it made her story different, mm-hmm. but the fact that she's saving lives this way is incredible. I agree. And she definitely is. Well, yep. my hat's off to you for doing this because it's really easy um, to just have all the life sucked out of you when something like this happens. But I think this is just a terrific way. And I know one of the things you always want to say is you don't want people to forget Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't. Um, she made an impact on so many people's lives and she still is. And she's not even here. Well, um, I remember when I first started hearing from her, when she was writing me, I thought, what a spitfire. And she was so oh, funny. Yeah. She was so funny. It's hilarious. And I, I, I felt kind of funny. That I looked forward to hearing from her. Because she was such a fighter and she was such a spitfire and had such a big personality that I never, I was always sad, I never got to see her in person. But I, I, I see those ripples mm-hmm. going through the IBC community and what she's doing and what you were doing with your family and your friends. And you don't have to. So I'm grateful. So I want to thank you for the women you're helping and the people you'll never know that you help by funding research. You're welcome. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Well, we will pretty be talking at this we, time of the year, but <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? I'm pretty worn out at this time of the year. But I know it's all worth tough. it. It's all worth it. I know you get. I, I know you feel my pain with that. <laughs> oh, October's tough, and I don't know. We haven't even talked about maybe some of the things that you feel. I know sometimes tell me, oh, women don't die of breast cancer anymore, or it's not a big deal. And I always tell them, go open a Sunday newspaper, the obituary column, and you're gonna see, oh. Value fight, value fight, value fight. We've really got to change the narrative to a stronger conversation. We always talk about what you do with Lindsay's Legacy at the IBC Network. We are huge fans of what you do. And you've helped us, but also, even if you never threw another penny our way, we will be talking about you because we're really proud of what you're doing. And we will be sharing a link about your book. And I'm looking forward to hearing about more golfing events. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to visit with you in the future. You bet. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you. No, we're we're in it together. We're in it together. So we will never forget Lindsay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being on me today, Diane. Thank you. Really. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. For more information on inflammatory breast cancer, please visit the ibcnetwork.org and hope you join us for our next episode of Talk IBC. The content on Podcast Talk IBC is for educational or informational purposes only and does not substitute for professional medical advice or consultations with healthcare professionals.